9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover. Bring your time. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. And if you are interested in having a firm foundation in your faith, you can check out my website. There's all kinds of resources on there for you, all kinds of amazing interviews with people from all over the world who are who Christ is working through, who Christ is working in, in order to be able to be a blessing to the people around them. And uh, being equipped to be able to be a light, to be able to communicate effectively the truth of the Word of God and the biblical reality. And, uh, you know, I, Barna just came out with a, a State of the Church uh, survey that they did with a whole bunch of pastors about what pastors are concerned about. And it was very uh, interesting. I want to read to you some of the, the things that came out of this survey. It says here that um, overall, more than one in three pastors, 36%, notes that there is um, declining or inconsistent volunteering. One quarter sa- saying it's one of their top three problems. Another one says that there's stagnating spiritual growth. 34% of pastors label this as a major concern for their lo- local church, and 24% rank it as one of their top three. So people, they're, they're complaining that people are not growing in their walk with God. Um, it also says that a lot of people are not sharing their faith. Okay, so uh, uh, top three problems that pastors are complaining about, more than 50% are complaining that people are not sharing their faith, and... Um, Pastors are very concerned. This is also ranked in the top three with reaching the younger generations. These are huge issues, and uh, they're very relevant to the church and all that's going on. If you're keeping your your if you're uh, if you've got your hand on the pulse of what's happening culturally, um, it's been talked about over and over and over again about that the declining amount of people that commit or or say that they're Christians in America. And so I've got an expert on this very issue. Um, on the radio program today. He's very, very well known throughout the apologetics realm, and uh, he's known for somebody who's really good at sharing his faith and having strategies to share your faith. Uh, his name is Greg Kokel. He's the founder and president of Stand to Reason. You can check out his website, str.org. Uh, Greg, thanks for being on the program today. Kevin, I'm really glad to be back with you, but you know, you said I'm an expert on declining Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's that's, that's not a that's not a good introduction. <laughs> well, uh, Greg, you know what I'm really excited about. Um, I read your the book you wrote that you're really well known for, uh, which is Tactics, and uh, about strategies to be able to share your Christian convictions. And you just came up, uh, you just uh, released the 10-year anniversary edition of that book. I did. That's uh, incredible. 10 years have gone by, and now um, you've re-released the book. And uh, so tell us, why did you decide to re-release the book? And uh, over 10 years of, you know, sharing this, speaking on it, you speak all over the place at churches and universities and and uh, you're you're all on on different shows and these sorts of things. Uh-huh. What have you learned in the past ten years that caused you to decide? You know what? I need to uh, revise and uh, add some things to this book. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you when it first uh, when the idea first came to me, I just thought, hey, ten years, let's just crank out another edition yeah. <laughs> and just re-release it because it's an anniversary. When I and I thought I'll just kind of gloss it over and take the word like audio tapes out of it and stuff like that. But I realized as I'm going through the text that I had learned so much over the last 10 years in how to, one, how to explain and teach 
uh, and uh, train other Christians in the tactics. Um, that I thought this is what I'm reading now here from 10 years ago is woefully inadequate. I have added so much information just to the existing approach. Uh, for example, um, I talked very, very briefly in the first book about the difference between gardening and harvesting. And most of our evangelistic methods are harvesting methods, but we can't have a good harvest without a good gardening. And, I mean, that's just common sense, but uh, most of us haven't really internalized that notion. No, I think a lot, a lot of people would find that, um, you know, you know, can you break that down a little bit um, for the for the average person out there who's, sure, who's not necessarily sure. an evangelist? I'm glad to make a, give a, a given op- have an opportunity to clarify this. Yeah. Um, Jesus said in, in John chapter 4, after he talked to the woman at the well, he told the disciples, you are about to um, reap where you did not sow. You are about to reap where you did not sow. And the, then the proverb is fulfilled, he said, that one sows and the other reaps. Now notice that in that simple statement, he's identifying one field, in that case it was Sychar, and one team, the body of Christ, but he's identifying two different seasons, sowing and reaping, what I call gardening and harvesting, and two different kind of workers, the gardeners and the harvesters. And the, the disciples were going to get the low-hanging fruit there. You know, somebody else has done the heavy lifting, Jesus said, and now you're going to get the easy pickings, you know. Um, but if you think about all of our evangelism techniques, and I, was, I became a Christian during the Jesus movement, you know, and the emphasis there was on giving out the simple gospel, going on the street, on the beach, wherever, at the university, give the simple gospel, use a tract or something to do that, and then invite people to pray to receive Christ. Mm. Well, that had a certain efficacy half a century ago, but now things have radically changed. And there has always been a need for what Francis Schaeffer called pre-evangelism killing the soil, making it ready to receive the word so that people could understand it. If you recall from the parable of the sower that Jesus told, he said, you know, the, the ones where the, the seed fell on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the hard ground, well, we think, well, that's hard people. And then the devil came and plucked it away. But what he said is, when the seed is sown and they don't understand it, then the devil comes and takes it away. So we need to do a lot more work in the gardening phase, helping people understand the message, and this is harder than ever before. Mm. But the good thing is, uh, I, I think I'm a gardener. I mean, I look back at my life, and I mean, your listeners can be surprised when I tell you this, that I have not prayed with somebody to receive Christ in over 30 years. Mm. But I look at some of the people that were in my garden when they were non-Christians, like Jay Warner Wallace, the cold case Christianity guy. Or yeah, he, he was just on the show just a little while ago. There you go. Well, Jim was in my garden. He was an atheist when he was listening to the show. Really? Now, I That's didn't so interesting. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, well, I didn't either until about four years ago, and yeah. then he told me. Then Abdu Murray, who's the um, senior vice president of Ravi Zacharias International Ministry, former Muslim, now be Christian, uh, um, Abdu was in my garden uh, when he was still a Muslim, he was listening to the show, and he told me that too. And I hear more and more people tell me that. Now, here's the key, uh, and this is what I developed more, in more detail in the 10th anniversary edition of Tactics, uh, is that I'm a gardener. People look at my life and they think, wow, Lord's using him. But look at I'm not praying with people to receive Christ. Mm. 
I'm gardening, and I have tools for gardening. That's what this book is about. But, but I think most Christians are gardeners, because that's where the hard work is. Look, when the, when the fruit is ripe, it just drops into the basket. It's easy to harvest ripe fruit, you know? But, when, uh, but it's getting it to that point. And I think that there's a massive number of Christians who are sitting on the bench because they're intimidated by the harvesting model, and they're not good at it, so they do nothing. When what I do in the book, and I've explained this in a lot more detail, is encourage them that they are probably har- uh, gardeners, not harvesters, just like me, gardener, not a harvester. And I have a game plan that I can share with them that will help them to garden more effectively if they're willing to do it. And it's easy, and it's effective. In fact, it could absolutely change everything for them in terms of how they engage others for Christ. Boy, that is an awesome message. I really, really like that, because I'm, I'm an apologist, I'm a, um, and, I, and I think to a certain extent an evangelist, and I have a lot of kids in my classes. I teach apologetics to high school students, 12th graders, Good and for you. a lot of them are intimidated. You're a brave man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's true. Uh, the, a lot of them are intimidated by the idea, uh, like you said, of having to invite somebody to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, so you're saying that the book that you have, Tactics, which I I read, you you know the whole book, um, but this book is a game plan for helping somebody become that gardener. What does gardening look like? For the average layperson, not the person who's who's got a show uh, do, doing this, but for the average person living their Christian life, sure. what does gardening look like? Yeah, I'll say very simply, and this is my goal: it is it is trying to do just a little bit in conversations with people, a little here, a little there. And so, my simple goal is just to, as I put it in the book, put a stone in someone's shoe. You know, I just want to kind of annoy them a little bit, but in a good way. And this is all I'm asking the average person to do. You don't have to swing for the fences. You don't even have to get on base. I just want them to get into the batter's box, and that's what the game plan will allow them to do. And I have heard from um, countless Christians. I mean, every time I speak on this, they come up to me and they tell me how powerful this has been in their life and how it's totally transformed their ability to engage productively in a friendly and relaxed manner with a tremendous amount of personal safety in the process. And that's it. That's what everybody's looking for, right? There is absolutely. They're looking not to feel awkward and strange and and weird, and uh, just to be a normal person who right. you know shares that truth. Absolutely. You know, you said something at the very beginning uh, of the statement, and I, I don't have it word for word, but in essence, you said that you were looking back on the original publication, the other, the original book that you wrote, and as you were reading through it, you were saying that there was a lot in there that um, you almost you almost uh, talked negatively about it in a sense um, that you didn't know about. Well, what what I I think the original book is great, and that's why it's been a bestseller for the yeah. last ten years. Yeah. However, when I after teaching for ten years since the book came out, I realized I found more robust ways of explaining these notions, like I just did with the gardening and the harvesting illustration, and I realized that some of these ways that I've learned to explain this better. Um, have had a, pow- a really powerful impact on the people I teach, much more than the original material. So I had to pack that information in there and upgrade all of the stuff 
And then, and we talk about this in a bit, I had a bunch more tactics I wanted to add to the book, and so the new book has almost twice as many tactics in it. That's incredible. So um, I want to ask you, in the past 10 years, you know, as you rewrote this book, what is the biggest, in your mind, what is the biggest thing that you felt like, wow, um, this has totally changed my perspective, uh, I have a totally uh, different way of approaching this, and I know you said there's a whole bunch of them, but if you could pick one that you feel like, wow, this, this had the biggest, most significant change in my mind, what would it be? But before you do that, we're coming up on a quick break here. It'll be sure. su super quick, but uh, my guest is Greg Kokel, str.org. Please check it out. Stand to Reason is the ministry, and uh, he's been doing this for a really long time, and he has got a wealth of information. The amount of resources on his website is tremendous, and if you've got a question, the answer is probably there. Uh, he has got a database of answers, short answers to questions, as well as long answers too. And he's all over YouTube too with all kinds of short video clips to help you become better at communicating the truth of God's word. So stay with us. We're going to get uh, Greg's response to that question. What's the biggest change in his mind in 10 years? We'll be right back. Fastlane Kayaking sells popular Hobie Cat kayaks that you pedal, not paddle. That means your hands are left free for fishing and fun. Just throw these on your roof rack. They're light and they're easy to use and maintain. Just rinse them off. Try one free on a demo ride. For 36 years, Ron and Debbie Lane have served San Diego with fun, family-friendly water sports of all kinds. Learn more. Fastlanesailing.com. 619-222-0766. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Educate for Life helps you build your life on the rock. LG Equipment helps builders build on good soil. Luke Gibson's team at LG Equipment is your local source for grading, demolition, hauling, and more. Learn about their bulk water services from trucks to tankers to towers at rentwatertower.com. Get your questions answered. Call LG Equipment at 619-988-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-988-0924. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tire wheels and service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 7.30 to 5.30 and Saturdays, 7.30 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. I will cast being with us today. This is Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover, and we are down here, or I am at least, down here in Southern California broadcasting. We're on KPraise FM 106.1 in North County and AM 1210 in San Diego. We're also all over the, uh, the social media. We're, we're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We've got all kinds of amazing shows. Uh, I just recently interviewed uh, Jay Warner Wallace. Uh, Greg mentioned him. Incredible testimony of a man who came to the Lord um, over time, a lot of people influencing him, and he was a cold case detective 
And then he wrote a book called Cold Case Detective, in which he gives the evidence for uh, the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So absolutely powerful testimony and story. We also have Natasha Crane coming up uh, in a couple weeks. She's going to be talking about um, reaching your kids for Christ, having meaningful discussions with your kids about Jesus Christ and uh, raising those kids to love Jesus. My guest today is Greg Kokel. He's with str.org, Stand to Reason, uh, f- incredible ministry. And so, uh, Greg, why don't we pick up uh, where we left off in the last sure. segment, which is what is the biggest thing in your mind that's changed in the past 10 years? Sure. Uh, by the way, let me just give a, a plug for Natasha. She's fabulous. Her books are really helpful, and she's the per- go-to person um, to find information about how to raise your kids so they don't uh, defect from the faith. So just, I think that's going to be a great uh, great show for you. Okay. I hope people listen to it. Uh, yeah. Um, the, in a sense, my game plan hasn't changed at all. It's, it's, I've just learned more and more about how effective it is, and I think I've gotten better at engaging people with the kinds of questions that, that are at the heart of the game plan, okay, that help uh, keep me safe in a conversation and help me make tremendous progress by questioning the other person about their views and about their challenges against us, okay? Um, The biggest change, if anything, is that I've come to be much more committed to the notion of gardening that we've just been talking about. And this is why I expanded the book significantly and why now when I, even if I have 45 minutes, that's it. Like I have a sermon, Sunday service or whatever, they give me 45 minutes. Uh, Usually it's 35 minutes, but they drop a couple worship songs so I could get my time in. In 45 minutes, I spend 15 to 20 minutes just talking about gardening. Because if people can get this idea in their mind, that, that they don't have to try to get somebody to receive Christ. And by the way, I know that this is heretical to some people, mm. but nobody tried to do that in the New Testament. In other words, you don't have altar calls in the New, New Testament. You don't have people praying with other people to, to pray the sinner's prayer. Uh, you have a preachment of the gospel and the Holy Spirit working to create belief in people's heart. And then they just believe. This says God opened Lydia's heart to believe the gospel. And in Acts chapter 10, there, uh, there's Peter preaching to Cornelius, and right in the middle of the sermon, they're filled with the Spirit and start speaking in tongues and prophesying. So I'm not speaking against praying with people. I'm not speaking against the sinner's prayer. I prayed it, and I used with uh, with other people in the past. What I'm saying is we have kind of made that thing into an <laughs> evangelical sacrament. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and it's not a biblical model. So I, that's I, pressuring people from staying out of play, forget about it and mm. just get in a garden and preach the gospel wherever you're able to do it and talk about Christ, and that will make a big difference. Yeah. Now, I've had Ray Comfort on my program before, and uh, he's uh, definitely, you know, constantly giving that invitation. Um, you know, how, how does your viewpoint—is there a contradiction there? Is there a conflict, or is, is this a work-together kind of thing? Well, remember I said that there are some that are harvesters— Yeah. I'm sorry, gardeners, and there's some that are harvesters. And Ray is a harvester. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ray and I are friends. In fact, I was two, three months ago, um, I was on his, we did a lot of filming together at his studio, and I think I'm supposed to be in his studio next week and do some more filming <laughs> with him in Southern Cal. Okay, so, so you, guys aren't, you guys aren't enemies then. No, 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 no. <laughs> but, but Ray's a, he's a harvester, okay? Yeah. Not everybody's like Ray. And if you try, try to be like Ray and you're not like Ray, it's not going to go well, and mm-hmm. it's going to discourage you. So I'm all for Ray. 
and a, a lot of his like start with the law and then get to grace. I think that's fabulous. That's the New Testament um, method, whatever. But notice the stylistic elements. There's substance in their style. The substance that we have is the same. We the preach the gospel. We make the case for Christianity. The style is going to be different with different people. Ray's a street preacher, and he's really good at it. You know, he's one of the few I think that are exceptionally good and making a difference. Yeah. But he's very harvest oriented, and a lot of times when some people will get bugged when they hear what I'm saying here that you don't have to press someone to receive Christ, and when when I encounter those people almost every single time, they're harvesters, you know, and they, they think it's easy for me. Why are, you making it, why, why are you trying to let all the other Christians off the hook and don't press people for a decision? Well, what I'm saying is we're all on the same team. Yeah. And as Jesus said, some sow and some reap. Mm-hmm. Ray is a great reaper. <laughs> He's a harvester, but he could not harvest unless there were other gardeners that were there doing the job bringing the fruit to its kind of ripeness that makes that ready for a person like Ray Comfort. Yeah. So when you said, um, it's interesting because you said that this is the biggest factor, this gardening versus harvesting thing. And uh, this is almost a chain. It's it's almost not really, and and maybe my, my terminology is off here, but it's not really a tactic. It's almost a change in, mo- in the way your mind thinks about... Um, reaching people or the Great Commission. It's almost a change in perspective, would you say? Yes, that's exactly right. Because um, what you asked me is what was the biggest factor that's changed or whatever in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. The game plan is still the game plan. And the most important thing of the whole enterprise is the game plan. But what I've done in the last 10 years that I think has radically improved its effectiveness is laid a predicate for people. And I've said we have to rethink a little bit the way we approach the project that we've called evangelism in order for our game plan and all the rest of our efforts at evangelism to be more effective. Mm. Once we rethink our approach, I'm telling you, there are multitudes that get off the bench. I can see it in their eyes when I'm speaking to an audience, Kevin. They come up and tell me, oh man, you freed me up. I can do this. I can do this. They get all excited. Because what I've done in a certain way is lowered the bar. I've taken the harvest thing off the table for them so they don't have to worry about that. And I've just said, get into the batter's box. And a lot of them say, well, I can't hit a homer. I can't harvest. But I can get in the batter's box, especially if you give me a bat to swing. And that's what we do in the tactical game plan. And because more people are into play now, there's more harvesting. I'm sorry, there's more gardening going on, which means there's going to be more harvesting. The harvest is not going to happen without the gardening. It's just a simple agricultural and spiritual equation that Jesus affirmed in John chapter 4. Yeah, and you, you said that you added 40 new tactics to the book. Is that, was that, no, did I, I that said right? I've added uh, over 40% new material, okay. and I have, I mean, just the word count is like 45% increased word count. Yeah. This book is a lot bigger. I mean, it's heavier. It's more, I've got it in my hand. I'm shaking. It's like, whoa, I like this. This is weightier than the first one. Yeah, absolutely. But give us, give got, us. Give us, give our listeners some um, examples of tactics. That, when you say, I want to put a, a pebble in your shoe, um, give our listeners some of those that, that, that in their regular lives with uh, maybe a coworker or maybe a relative or whoever it is, what kind of uh, um, pebbles are you talking about? Give us well, our listeners. What, what I, here's what, here's what, um, 
the game plan is a question asking game plan. I call that the Colombo tactic mm-hmm. after Lieutenant Colombo. Yeah. And so when when people when people raise a challenge against Christianity, I always have an opening question in my hip pocket. It's really easy. And the opening question is what do you mean by that? And and so they raised here's one of the hardest ones for Christian, the problem of evil. Okay? Hey, well what about the problem of evil? This is what they say to the Christian. So here's my response. What about it? Well, it's a problem for you, isn't it? How is it a problem? Notice, by the way, I'm just pausing for a second. I'm, I'm not trying to be clever or, or cute. I'm just simply throwing the ball back into their court because I wanted to spell out what they think the problem is, all right? Because the more they talk, the more I have to work with and the more I can ask questions about. Well, you say your God is good, right? I'm back in the role play now. Yeah, he is good, and he's powerful, right? Yeah, he's powerful. What about all this evil of the world? Okay, let me ask you a question, I say back. So you do believe there's evil in the world, right? Yeah, I do. So when you say there's evil in the world, do you mean there's real objective evil? Like there's really bad things that happen or things that you just don't personally like? Now notice this question, Kevin, I'm asking to separate the relativist from the the objectivist. Yeah. And if it turns out he's a relativist, he says, well, there's, well, it's like, you know, it's all relative. These are things that I don't personally like. I said, well, why are you objecting to the existence of God? Because some things happen that you don't like. I don't like liver, but I don't think that's an argument against God. Help me out here. Explain that to me. Now, notice I see a liability in his challenge. I'm aware of this, okay? And so before I begin answering his question, I'm asking him to make sense of the question in the first place. Yeah, and and, and that's great. And in essence, what you're doing is you're asking him to draw his own conclusions about his own position. Well, I'm hoping what's going to happen is I'm putting a stone in his shoe because Mm -hmm. he realizes, right, if he's going to stick to his relativism, he can't complain about the problem of evil in the world because there is no problem of evil in the world. It's just things that happen that he doesn't like on the relativist view. But now if he says, oh, yeah, well, okay, I'm not a relativist. I think there really are bad things. Okay, so in other words, moral laws are being broken. Yeah. Okay, where do those moral laws come from? Got to be a moral lawmaker. Exactly. Otherwise, okay, now you can see the problem. Yeah. He says there is no God to make the moral laws, but moral laws are broken. Huh? Help me out here. Yeah. Okay, that, that's really good. Um, so for those of you listening, my guest today is Greg Kokel, and he just came out with an updated version of his book, Tactics, which is meant to help you be able to d- discuss with those around you what you believe about Christ in a way that is not awkward or strange or or just uncomfortable. It's supposed to lower that bar and just make it a more of a good conversation. Um, you're not you, you don't have an end goal of just making them become a Christian, but it's to help them think through why they believe what they believe and ultimately uh, move the bar, move the the needle towards Jesus Christ. So uh, check out his book. Uh, you can get it all over the place. It's all over Amazon and everywhere else str.org for all kinds of resources stay with us we're going to have a great discussion in this third segment here we're going to have a really interesting discussion we'll be right back before i bring my need i will bring my heart 
When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Luke Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and team. Team Home Loans. Thanks for tuning in to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. My website's educateforlife.org. You can listen to a recording of this show if you didn't get a hold of the whole thing. You can listen to a recording of the show on YouTube. You can also listen on our podcast. We're on iTunes and all over the place. You can check all those things out. And I've got interviews with people from all over the world. Uh, not just too, not too long ago, I interviewed David Woods, who's an expert on Islam, and uh, also interviewed Dr. James Tor, one of the top 50 scientists in the world, on uh, whether evolution is feasible or not. And so we had all kinds of great discussions. My guest today is Greg Kokel. He's with Stand to Reason. He's been doing this for a really long time. Just came up with the 10th, 10th anniversary edition of Tactics, and it's got all kinds of six new chapters, 40% new content. All kinds of stuff that's going to help you get more comfortable with just having a really good discussion with the person next to you about what they believe. And it's all um, geared around gardening more than harvesting. And you're just asking people questions and helping them to think through what they believe. So we're going to do a quick uh, role play here. I'm going to play the bad guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> too easy for you, Kev. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. That's great. By the way, let me say a word about the role play. I, I do this a lot yeah. on Q and A's after I teach. And, and actually most of the time when people say, well, my friend said this to me and how do I respond? I say, okay, you be your friend and let's just role play it. I don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah. And you know, these things aren't always tidy because life isn't tidy and conversations aren't tidy. But what I'll do, and I don't know where you're going to go with this, Kevin, I don't know what question you're going to raise, but I want the people, just your, your listeners to be aware that I'm probably going to start out asking clarification questions, mm. some form of the question, what do you mean by that, but germane to the particular part of the conversation we're in. Mm. And I ask lots and lots of those kinds of questions. And what I'm looking for is for the person that I'm talking with to lay out their view much more clearly mm. so they get to see what their view is. And a lot of times they've never done this, even for themselves. Yeah. And it will reveal what I think is going to be weaknesses in there, and then I'll try to probe the, the weaknesses <laughs> a little bit. Okay, so, that's so what I'm about. So uh, this is great. Uh, I'm really excited. I've never done this with somebody who's really, really good at at uh, articulating their faith. So 
Um, I have had just a, a disclaimer here, uh, Greg. I have had um, Lawrence Krauss, Dan Barker, and Michael Shermer on this program. So, okay. uh, <laughs> and I heard All you, right. well, you I, actually I, had a good I debated uh, Lauren Barker and Michael Shermer in the past, not yeah. Krauss, but you know, <laughs> okay. I'm familiar with their work. Okay, great. Okay, so I guess uh, I would just say, you know, I don't see any good reason to believe in God. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I think there's way too much evil in the world for you to be able to say uh, that there's a good God who cares about us. And uh, chances are, uh, you know, there's a chance that there's some sort of higher power out there that exists, but uh, I can't imagine that he really cares that much about us or that he's uh, good or has good intentions for us. Okay, this is helpful, Kevin. You've actually brought up a couple different things, but I just need some clarity on some things. You said, first of all, the idea of God doesn't make sense. Mm. Help me out there a little bit. I'm not sure what you're getting at. Well, I just think it makes more sense, or it's more sensible, to believe that uh, we're all here through, essentially, uh, some random causes. Um, I don't see any divine intervention taking place anywhere. I don't see any waters being parted. Right. I don't, I don't see any dramatic healing, so it just well, doesn't... Well, wait, but when... Uh, okay, gotcha. So you've told me your point of view, but you said more than that. You said it makes more sense. And so I'm just trying to get a clear idea on what you mean by it makes more sense. Are you saying then it makes sense to you that there is no God because you've never seen a miracle? It sounded like that to me. Um, I would say I can't, I, you know, I can't know anything 100% to be true. Sure, of course. But, but I would I'm say that, that generally speaking, it seems more plausible to me that uh, God doesn't exist because I haven't seen these miracles um, therefore, he probably doesn't exist. Okay, good. Fair enough. Let me. Do you mind if I ask you a couple questions about that? Yeah, go ahead. These are really simple questions, so the answers maybe seem obvious, but just play along with me. So you do believe that that stuff exists, right? You look around the world, there's stuff here. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that the stuff... I agree with you. Do you think that the stuff exi- that exists now has always existed? Um, stuff like, well, I mean, obviously, like... Let's say the universe. The universe has always existed. Um, I, I think it probably has. Pro- probably has you, always existed. You honestly do? You think the universe is eternal? Uh, something that has to do with the universe probably has existed. I don't know exactly what it is that's always okay, existed, so, but... So, it surprises me a little bit, because there's almost, I mean, I don't mean to be unkind, but there's almost nobody believes that anymore for scientific reasons. You do believe in science, right? I do believe in science, yeah. Okay, so so cuz so you don't believe in the big bang. Um well, I believe that there was some sort of a big bang, but there was probably something that existed before the big bang. Oh, okay, well that's good. That's exactly <laughs> where I'm going. So, the big bang is when the entire physical universe came into existence. Agreed? Um yeah, well there could be the multiverse. There could be multiverses. There could be a fluctuating universe. Oh, okay, you know? well, all of those things are possibilities that people yeah. have brought up, yeah. but all of those would have had to come into being at some time as well. Uh, okay, so, yeah. I mean, I know people have raised these fluctuating... Nobody's given any evidence that it's actually happened that way, but even if, no matter what grouping of universes you want to call it, they would still have to come into existence. That's the whole idea of the Big Bang. Yeah, and, and I agree with that. Okay, and what you said is, which is great, that there's something before the Big Bang that caused the Big Bang, is what you intimated. I get you right on that? 
Yeah, there's something that caused it, but I don't think it's the God of the Bible. That's as okay. What I'm well, saying. let's not go there yet. Let's, yeah. You're you're jumping too far ahead of me. Okay. Um, because what you said was not that you don't believe in the God of the Bible, but that God wasn't didn't believing in God didn't make sense, and it was more plausible that there was no God. So I'm just working with that right now. Okay. So I'm sorry. I should have been more clear. What I'm when I say I don't believe in God, I'm actually referring to your God. Uh, okay, that I well, don't believe just, in. Let's just let, let, okay. So then, so then you agree that there was someone prior to the existence of the material world that was the cause of the material world. Well, I don't know if it's a someone, but there was something probably that okay, made it let, happen. I, I want you to picture something here. Okay, I want you to picture a row of dominoes. All right, falling. Mm-hmm. Okay, you realize when you set up a row of dominoes, when they're falling one domino can hit another, and that explains why the dominoes are falling. Right? Yes, yeah. But but something has to happen first before any domino can hit any other domino. What's, what has to happen? Uh, something has to push that first domino. That's right. In other words, whatever starts the process has to be able to make a decision to start the process. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, so... Only people can do that, or rather, only persons can do that. Mm. I don't mean humans, but someone who has a mind, a will, and the able to the ability to execute the will. So mm. that's why I said someone. Because you're saying an inanimate object can't be the thing that decides to push the first domino, is what you're saying. Correct. Mm. Well, you said inanimate, right? Yeah. That means they don't have the ability to decide to do anything. Yeah. And so they can't be the first cause. Okay, I'll grant you that. Okay, so we've come a long way so far, Kevin. We both agree now that there has to be a personal cause to the universe. That would have to be pretty powerful, right? Yeah. Uh, pretty intelligent, smart, um, personal. He'd have to be out non-physical because the physical universe is the effect. How can you have something that's non-physical have an impact on something that's physical, though? I'm not sure what the problem is. Help me out. Well, how can you have something that's immaterial move something that's material? You mean, do you want me to describe the mechanism? I guess so. I'm just curious about that. Okay. Well, I can't describe the mechanism, but guess what? I'm doing it right now. How so? My will is moving my lips to make noise on your radio show. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who knows? I don't. I can't tell you the mechanism, but I know what happens. Okay, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Okay, so right, hold, hold on, Greg. Wait, wait. We're coming up on a break here, so I want to continue this. Though I find this interesting. Right. So, uh, if you're listening, um, I am a believer. I'm a Christian. If you just <laughs> hopped in halfway through here, I'm just playing the uh, the devil's advocate here. Greg and I are having an argument. So, um, but it's good because what we're looking at here is his book Tactics. And which is, how do you have a real-life conversation with somebody who doesn't believe in God? And we live in a culture that's become increasingly skeptical with people who are asking questions that a lot of Christians are struggling with. And that's what his book is all about. str.org, check it out. Stand to Reason, Greg Kokel. Um, This is a book that really, uh, if you want to learn to get comfortable with just having these good conversations, it's really an indispensable book. And so uh, please check it out. We have one more segment left, and Greg and I are going to keep arguing. So we'll be right back. Luke 
Gibson of LG Equipment supports Educate for Life with Kevin Conover. Luke grew up in the construction industry and now serves LG's commercial and residential customers throughout Southern California. Whether you need grading, paving, hauling, demolition, on-site bulk water service, water trucks, tankers, and towers, call LG Equipment at 619-998-0924. Learn more at lgequipment.com. 619-998-0924. When you need tires or service, count on Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service in Oceanside for a full range of affordable options in all the brands you trust. See their great customer reviews and special offers online. Hours Tuesday through Friday, 730 to 530, and Saturdays, 730 to 5. Call Dan and his team at 760-439-1631. Conover Tires, Wheels, and Service, 2405 Oceanside Boulevard in Oceanside, 760-439-1631. Life insurance is like a parachute. If you don't have it when you need it, it's too late. When your family faces a challenge, you don't want to face liability because you're uninsured or underinsured. Decades of San Diegans have trusted Jim Kelly of Kelly Insurance Agency and Allstate to insure homes, cars, businesses, and lives, no matter where they live throughout California. It doesn't cost a thing to explore your options or get a second opinion on your current financial picture. Your family's needs are always changing. Call to schedule a checkup today. Call Jim Kelly and his team right now. 619-562-9199. That's 619-562-9199. Hi, this is Jason Hall, president of Team Home Loans, a branch of Synergy One Lending. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Kevin Conover for the profound impact he's had on mine and my wife's spiritual life, as well as being an incredible teacher while our kids were his students. His knowledge and passion have taught us all how important it is to be defenders of our faith. It's our honor and privilege to support Support Kevin and his show. It is our sincere hope and prayer that you will continue to learn to be defenders of your faith through Kevin's radio show and through his Educate for Life teachings. Thank you, Kevin, from the Hall family and Team Home Loans. Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. If you're just tuning in, um, we're having a great discussion, Greg Kokel and I. Um, arguing about God's existence. I'm playing the devil's advocate here, and uh, what we're trying to do is is represent a real-life conversation, and these happen, right? I have uh, students in my classes all the time that come up to me. I had a girl not too long ago who said, uh, Mr. Conover, can you please talk to my boyfriend? Um, he has all these questions about God, and he's laying it all out. I had another kid not too long ago call me up and go, Mr. Conover, I heard you like to talk about God. Can we go out to coffee and have this conversation? And and really what we want to do is we all want to get a lot more comfortable with having these types of conversations so that there can be more gardening done, and ultimately that leads to more harvesting done. And right. so um, my guest is Greg Kokel. So, Greg, um, uh, do you want to pick up where we left off here? Or? Yeah, I will. Just a second, I want to say this, though. You yeah. mentioned twice or three times that we're, we've been having an argument, and I actually agree with the word hmm. because it means that we both have a point of view and we're trying to offer reasons for it and seek to persuade the other person of our own view. But this has not been a quarrel. I'm making a distinction between an argument and a quarrel. In other words, we're not banging heads. We're not being rude to each other. I hope your listeners see that I'm, I'm trying to be as amicable and friendly as I can. And you've been nice, too, as, as the, the opponent, so to speak. And this is the way I like it. I mean, this is, this is the way this works with the tactical game plan, uh, using these questions to clarify views, especially views that seem odd. People say, well, it doesn't make any sense. Oh, really? How does it not make sense? Yeah. 
and those who are listening could see how I'm now I'm using a certain kind of way of questioning through an argument to show that the universe had a beginning. And if it had a beginning, it had a beginner that was personal and powerful. So it does make sense. Yeah, it does. And what I, what I love about what you're doing too, is this really is the gardening. This is because these are real world, um, issues that people have Their Their mind is not prepared to receive Christ when they're having questions about, does it even make sense to believe in God? Yeah. Yeah. So um, let me just pick it up here. So, Kevin, this has been really helpful. Um, thank you for um, answering the question and following along with me. So it seems like we've made some progress, because you started out by saying, uh, let me pause for a second, what I'm doing right now I call narrating the argument, okay? And everything that I've done so far is in the book, Tactics, a Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. I talk about narrating the argument, which is you pause and you, you talk about what you've just done. And there are different ways to use narration, but let me get back into the role player. So, Kevin, this is great. We're making progress. And uh, you started out by saying that you didn't believe in God. It didn't make sense. It was more plausible that there was no God because you haven't seen any miracles. Okay? And um, so I get that. But then as we pressed a little bit, it turns out you agree with a whole bunch of things that point to the existence of someone, a person, of some magnitude, power, insight, intelligence that is not material, that is responsible for the rest of the material world. And that seems to me, would you say that that, that does make sense? Yeah, actually, you, you've changed my mind on that. I've, okay, I've, good. Yeah. Okay, now we've got, now we've got a, 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 another step. And you said a moment ago, okay, well, maybe that's not the God of the Bible. And I agree with you. Just saying that there was a God doesn't mean he's the God of the Bible, okay? Yeah, and so, I, don't, I don't even know if I would call him God, because um, I don't know how you define that. When I think of God, I immediately think of, you know, uh, some sort of Hindu God or your God or, uh, you know, something else. But I don't know. It's, he seems very, um, or whatever it is, seems very uninvolved to me. Well, that's a that is an understanding of God called um, called uh, um, deism. <laughs> the word deism. Thank you. See, there you, <laughs> thanks for helping me out. It's called deism. Yeah. But see, even in deism, it's deism. It's Godism of a certain sort. Yeah. So, so um, I won't I mean, mince words over that. I'll, there are different yeah. char- ways to characterize God. So, you, but you're comfortable with me using the word God to describe whatever that personal power is behind the whole universe, sure. whether he's involved or not. Sure. Okay, are you think are you saying that it's possible that God could be involved with the universe? I'd say it's possible, but it's unlikely. Why would it be unlikely? Uh, I don't see any any willful movement from. So everything is moving by the laws of physics and and the laws of nature and and chemistry and everything else. So it's all in very predictable patterns. It there doesn't seem to me to be any willful divine intervention that would indicate to me that there's some something out there that is involved in in our lives or cares okay. about our lives. Okay, fair enough. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Are your lips moving now according to the laws of physics? Yes. Well, that means you're not creating words. Your mouth is just moving because of other influences, more dominoes on the other side of this conversation. Okay, I see what you're saying. You're 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 saying that I have some sort of willful uh, power to to move my lips. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I grant if you that. If it was all according to the law of physics, then nobody would be making any decisions. We'd all be dominoes falling, right? I'll grant you that, yeah. Okay, so thank you. 
So <laughs> this is progress. Think of it. You have just acknowledged that there is a, a turns out to be a, a whole world of things that are outside of the law of physics. Well, I'm not and, opposed to believing in ghosts or anything like that. I mean, those things may exist. I don't, uh, but right. But well, I, I was just talking about you. Oh <laughs> <The> yeah. <ghost. laughs> well, whatever it is, what, your lips. Yeah. So something about you is not subjected to the laws of physics, right? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So that means there's a whole dimension of things that are not driven by the laws of physics. You just said a moment ago, everything is driven by the laws of physics, and that shows that seems to be a good reason to show that God is not involved, right? Yes. Okay, so that was a clarification and a narration at the same time. Okay, well, now we just discovered that there is something that's out of the law, of, uh, outside of the laws of physics, and that is the wills of every human being that makes things happen in their life, right? Okay, sure. Okay, so with that in mind, might there be God working? Um, I'm not going to disagree with that. Uh, yes, there might be, because okay. I don't know everything, but as a skeptic and as somebody who who goes with what is most likely true, I would not, uh, I would not, I don't see any reason to think that there is a God who is intimately moving things around. Okay, you said it's not most likely true. I'm not sure your reasons why it would not be most likely. Because um, I don't you, see You believe it. in the laws of nature, right? I don't see anything supernatural happening, uh, like people walking on water. No, or... no, okay. I haven't seen anybody walk on water either. <laughs> I wish I had that capability sometimes when I'm fishing, but I, yeah. yeah um, and, but okay, let's just, now it's interesting that you mentioned that because that's a phrase that comes out of the life of Jesus of Nazareth. Sure. And I'm specifically rejecting the Christian God. Why would you do that? Um, because that seems to be the one, everybody else isn't trying to prove their God exists. They're just going with it. But all the Christians, you know, they're always kind of, kind of trying to prove that their God exists. Okay. Well, it's, it's odd, though, to me. Why would you think that the Christian God can't be the right God because Christians are trying to prove that he is? That only, sounds like what you just told me. Only because um, I'm not saying that that's the reason why he can't exist. I'm saying I'm specifically rejecting that because nobody else is trying to impress upon me or anybody else that their God exists. It's really only you, the, the Christians. Let me ask you a question, though, Kevin. Why <laughs> do you think it might be the case that no one else can give you reasons for their God existing, but Christians can give you reasons for the God of the Bible existing? Well, uh, I'm saying, all I'm saying is, is that, uh, you know, I don't know if they can or can't. They, I don't, I haven't had very many people from any other religion try to get me to become their religion. Right. It, it, so the Christians are constantly trying to get me to become a Christian, and they try to give me reasons, but the reasons that I've heard um, are not, they don't cause me to think it's more likely that the God of the Bible is, exists and is in our life than that he's not, is what I'm okay, saying. Okay, so I just want to make an observation. So you've yeah. changed just a little bit. At first you push back because the Christians are the ones that are trying to prove their God and, and the others are not, which strikes me as indicating, well, maybe the Christians have something to say about good reasons why their God exists and the others don't, which is why the others are silent. I actually think that's the case. Whether Christians have persuaded you or not is a different matter. Mm. So apparently they haven't yet. But it's interesting that you use this thing about, I haven't seen anybody walk on water. There is a report of somebody seeing someone walk on water. Yeah. In, in and the, that's the report about Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, in the Bible, yeah. but Well, it's, it's actually, you can call it in the Bible. The Bible, as you're speaking of, it didn't even exist till the 5th century. 
they were all individual things before they got collected inside of a, a codex, they call it. But anyway, this was a report based on a historical document that was, that was put together in the first century by the people who knew Jesus best. So there's a guy walking a water, and there's a lot more that they report. Why do you think that that's not reliable? Apparently you don't. I'm just assuming that. <laughs> okay, Greg, we're uh, we're running out of time here, so this is a great conversation. But <laughs> well, um, I hope this is instructive, Kevin, because um, there's there's very little actual apologetics that I brought into play here. Mm. I did bring the cosmological argument, like the Kalam argument, but you were already there, you, you, you know. Yeah. And and I started to speak about the historicity of Jesus, but I didn't make the case. Most of the work I was doing was asking clarification questions about the claims that you made and the reasons why you made them. And that's the first two steps of the game plan. Yeah. I didn't get clever. And uh, yes, I've been doing this for a while, so uh, it's uh, easier for me to navigate. But this is the kind of thing that any of your listeners can learn to do very soon. They can get into the shallow end of the pool, and I talk them through the steps right here in the book, Tactics, a Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. So uh, if you're listening today, I, I can't recommend uh, highly enough that you check out this uh, up, upgraded 10th anniversary edition, uh, Tactics, uh, by Greg Kokel. You can get it at Amazon. You can get it anywhere. Uh, Stand to Reason is the ministry, str.org. And Greg, you know, something else I really like about what you do is that a book is one thing, but because you have so many videos now that you're also demonstrating this and answering mm -hmm. questions, it really makes it um, even more um, possible. It seems possible. Uh, maybe I can do this, you know? Yeah. Um, and so if you're, again, if you're listening... Uh, he has resources where you can, this conversation that, that Greg and I just had, you can watch others of these kinds of conversations so that it becomes more, um, you can see it happening in action and then it becomes even more uh, tangible where you can grab hold of it and really uh, integrate this into your own walk with God and into, into the lives of those around you. So I hope this has been an encouragement to you. Greg, thank you so much for being on the program with us today. It's been a big blessing. Well, you're so welcome, Kevin, and I hope that someday you become a Christian. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That went great, too. Okay, well, um, I'll say goodbye to all our listeners. We're going to be on the radio again next week, I believe, with Natasha Crane. I think you're really going to love that. Um, how do I, as a Christian parent, raise kids up to walk with the Lord and to be able to be solid Christians and be able to talk to their friends and their peers about Jesus in a comfortable way? So... Uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I'll hope you, I hope you'll be with us next time, too. And I hope you have a great weekend. God bless you. Take care. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit EducateForLife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800 243